As we're kind of walking through the book of Luke, I invite you to join me there in Luke chapter 9. That will be our passage today. And we're going to begin in verse 43 here in just a minute. You can imagine what was going through the disciples' head. Peter, James, and John have gone onto a mountain and seen Jesus transfigured, meaning they beheld his glory. They also see two other friends there with him. And they say, this is pretty cool. Let's build something and just hang out here for a while. And nobody could blame them, right? I mean, it is cool. And it's, it would be an unbelievable thing for us to be able to have participated in that or seen that. And we probably would have had the exact same reaction. Afterwards, the next day it says that the disciples and Jesus came down from the mountain. They were met by a large crowd. And, and what happened is that a man was wanting his child to be healed. The child had been afflicted by a demon. And the disciples hadn't been able to drive out this demon. And Jesus does it. And it's amazing what happens. It says that everybody is amazed. The whole crowd was amazed. Everybody's amazed at what's going on. And Jesus begins to point them to the cross. Let's read verse 43. Jesus said, after they were all astonished and the greatness of God, while everyone was amazed in all the things he was doing, he told the disciples, let these words sink in. The son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this statement. It was concealed from them so they could not grasp it. And they were afraid to ask him about it. It's interesting uh, because this is leading them to an important question. And my entire life, and maybe yours too, when I was in school, there would be a teacher that would say, there's no such thing as a dumb question. And it was immediately followed by somebody asking a dumb question. Do you know what I mean? You always thought like, really? I mean, are you going to ask that? I mean, have you ever experienced that? That kind of feeling of like, I don't know if I would have asked that. And sometimes we ask questions and we find ourselves answering our own question while we're asking it, right? I mean, you, you kind of do that. Sometimes you ask questions and you go, oh, I wish I hadn't asked that. Man, I, did, I really didn't want to know that, you know? And, and questions lead you to these things sometimes. And what Jesus has said to them is really earth shattering. I'm about to be betrayed. Now, he's, he's saying this on a regular basis now. And the Bible says they don't get it and they're afraid to ask the question. And what follows in verse 46 is amazing. It says an argument started among them about who was the greatest among them. But Jesus, knowing their inner thoughts, took a little child and had him stand next to him. He told them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. For whoever is least among you, this one is great. You see, the disciples started with a wrong question. It said they were afraid to ask about the question that they probably should have asked. And so they were asking a wrong question. Jesus says, I'm about to be betrayed. And they're like, yeah, that's great. Hey, who do you think is going to be greatest in the kingdom? Because I think I'm smarter than you. I'm definitely better looking than you. You weren't there on the Mount of Transfiguration. So you got, it's down to me, Peter, and James. I mean, it's obviously us three. They're asking the wrong question. And, and it's a, an interesting thing because it reveals about them that they don't understand the kingdom at all. And they're really just one step ahead of those who've been trying to take Jesus and make him the Messiah who's going to throw off Roman rule. They're, I mean, they're, they're just one step ahead of those guys because they got it. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about that? Who do people say that I am? 
We believe you're the Christ, the son of the living God. I love that line in the scripture. It'll change your life when you say that out loud, that you believe that Christ is the son of the living God. It, it's a game changer in your life. And they, they didn't really understand it. And you may remember that we were talking about Jesus was ruling a kingdom that was earthly. They were thinking about a kingdom that was here. That's why they were talking about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They're thinking about the here and now. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this, that Jesus asked us to answer two questions. The first is heaven or hell. And some of you talked about this was really impactful. And I just remind you, it's an old saying. Nobody knows where it comes from that Jesus asked the disciples, heaven or hell? And most of us in the room say heaven, definitely. But then he asked us a follow-up question that, heaven or earth? And most of us go, well, I definitely choose heaven over hell. That's, that's no, no brainer. But earth can be pretty good. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's here. Maybe, maybe I wanna build your kingdom here. And, and I want to be a part of the things that are going on here, Lord. I mean, that, that's the thing. And we, we fail to understand that it's out of order because don't miss this. If you miss nothing else, Jesus isn't building the kingdom of earth right now. That comes after the kingdom of heaven is established. When he comes back to rule and reign, that will happen. But right now, it's the kingdom of heaven that's being expanded. And that happens one heart at a time. Three boys being saved when the gospel message is presented. That's the kingdom of heaven being expanded. And they don't get it. It's the wrong question. Who's the greatest? No one cares. But it's the wrong attitude, really. Because it betrays a worldly perspective that they had. The wrong attitude betrays a worldly perspective. And, and we love to have these kind of debates all the time. We, we like to talk about who's the greatest this or who's the greatest that. So who's the greatest basketball player? Is it Michael Jordan or LeBron? Who's the greatest president that we've ever had? Who's the greatest actor, actress, Betty Davis or Audrey Hepburn? Michael Jordan, Ronald Reagan, Audrey, definitely. We can debate it afterwards if you'd like to, you know what I mean? And why do we do this? Why do we spend our time doing this? Because we assign meaning for ourselves in those things. I'm in this camp. I'm here. I attach myself to that. And all of that is about the earth because none of it matters. When we go to heaven, it won't matter who was the greatest basketball player, who was the greatest CEO, who was the greatest pastor. It won't matter. Who was the greatest? None of that will matter. All of that will fall away. But it's a worldly perspective. We love to argue about this and take sides on these things. And at the heart of every one of these questions are three things, three sinful attitudes in ourselves. Pride. I want to be recognized. I want to be affirmed in what I'm doing. I want to be well thought of. Envy. I wish that I had that. Why don't I have what they have? Why, why don't I get to do that? Why don't I get the opportunity to go and do those things? Why am I overlooked? Jealousy. I have to protect what's mine. I have to protect my reputation. I have to hold on to these things. And all that's just of the earth. It's a wrong attitude. Wrong question, wrong attitude, wrong perspective. Can I read for you again what Jesus said leads to greatness in the kingdom? Look at verse 48. If you don't have it underlined in your Bible, you should. He told them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. For whoever is least among you, this one is 
great. When we think about greatness, we never start there. We never begin there. We always begin with something that's outward, that's something that's tangible, that's visible, something we can taste, see, sense, touch. We, we, never, we never begin with what's least. And we never think about that the path to greatness is us setting aside all of those things and just serving the Lord. We never think like that. And yet God constantly reminds us of that. Why was David so used by God? Was it because he was taller than all of his brothers? He wasn't. Was it because he was a great warrior? Not yet. Was it because he was a great musician? That came later. Was it because he was something special? No. Do you remember what God told the prophet Samuel? Stop looking at outward appearances. That's what man does. God looks at the heart. But it can't see the heart. How do I know? How, how do I sense that? What, what do I get out of that if, if it's at the heart? Because that's invisible. What David had was a pure passion for following God. He wanted to obey God. He wasn't perfect in it, but he wanted to be next to the heart of God. That's why it said that he had a heart like his. I mean, he constantly pursued that with all of his being and his passion was for that. He wanted God to receive glory above everything else. And the only time that it ever messed him up was when he tried to be a glory thief. And that's what happens in our lives. I gotta be honest with you. I think it's the danger, particularly in the world that we are living in. It's always been this way, but now you have an ability to broadcast that in ways that weren't even possible 10 years ago. When the first smartphone really came out, it did make you smarter. You were able to get directions in real time. You were able to look up things that you couldn't know in real time. I mean, for instance, you don't know how many times this has saved my life in math, right? Hey Siri, what's two plus two? You think I'm kidding? It's great. But now they're being used for something that we never imagined, right? It's the promotion of self. And so what we have in, in our lives is the ability to promote ourselves all the time. And so what we begin to do is allow ourselves to, to idolize ourselves. So we, we curate the best that we can, an image that we want everyone to see, that we want to protect, that we want to portray. And we put that out there for the world to see. Look at what I made for dinner. Click. I hope everybody likes it. Look at what my son did today. Click. I hope everybody likes it. Man, take a picture of when you wreck your car so I can like that, you know? I mean, like none of us take pictures on our bad days. Like, you know, this has been the worst day of my life. Click, you know, what are you gonna do? Like thumbs down. I don't know what to do with that one, right? It's hard. And, and what we don't realize is we're idolizing ourselves, constantly promoting these things and we have the ability to do it. And I'm not saying social media is bad. It's a tool. It's wonderful. Recently, we were with some friends who live out of state and they were saying to me, you know, I'm looking at your social media and you're not on it very much. I was like, well, that's a problem. And I went and looked at our Instagram page and I'm not, and I'm mad about it. I feel like I should be on every picture. In fact, when Presley started working for us as our communications director, she took the best picture of me that's ever been taken. This is the truth. And she put it on our Instagram and I was like, that's so awesome. I was preaching, this is amazing. I'm sorry, if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. It was great. 
And I went to her office that week and I said, thank you for doing that and please don't ever do it again. And that's why all of you are on our Instagram. So if you've ever found a picture on Instagram, you're like, why did she take that of me? It's my fault, I'm sorry. But the church is the people. The church isn't the pastor or the staff, the church is the people. You learned it when you were young, right? Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, see all the people. That was the point. What is God doing? He's redeeming a people for himself. And, and we mistake that sometimes when we want to be at the forefront, when we want to be recognized for what we're doing. And if you have to be recognized for what you're doing, you shouldn't be doing it. Because what Jesus begins to tell us is Really, it's opposite day. Have you noticed that in the scripture? What you imagine Jesus is going to say, he's like, no, nope, gotcha. Whoop, flipped it. Who's the greatest? Me, I'm the greatest. Nope, a kid. What? What's that kid done for you? They can't do anything. Their mom has to pack their lunch. Their mom has to dress them. Their mom has to clothe them. Nope, a kid. And we don't understand it. It's like everything that we think intuitively is right is now wrong. And the things that we wouldn't do are right. We work hard to make ourselves known and we need to make ourselves insignificant so that God can be known. That's the problem, isn't it? When I'm talking about me, I'm not talking about the Lord. I'm a glory stealer. God wants his glory to be known all, all over the earth. Not, not mine, not yours. We make ourselves insignificant so God can be significant. We want to climb this ladder, social and career and everything else. And God wants us to jump off that and become a servant of the least of these. How does that work? We want to be recognized for our gifts. And God says, serve and give anonymously. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Do it in secret so that your reward will be in heaven, he says. Why is that? Because he knows that everything in us wants to stand up and say, look at me. It's not the way of the kingdom. So we want to be distinguished. And God wants us to serve without distinction. I have some people that are heroes of the faith for me. I really look up to them. I admire their walk with the Lord. I admire the things that they do. And I often think that when we get to heaven, we may be surprised at who the Lord thought were the heroes of the faith because we're not going to know them. Why? Because while we were all making big of ourselves or, or, or doing things that, that everybody else saw, they were just serving the Lord somewhere, obediently, passionately following him. And the Lord says, that's how you become great. It's not through the outward appearance. It's not what everybody else sees. It's not what everybody else thinks. It's when you serve me. And so the Lord did something that in the first century would have been crazy. He brought a child in. This story is in Matthew and Mark as well. And Matthew expands, I think, a little bit on it and says that Jesus says, you can't even enter the kingdom unless you become like a child. And if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, welcome children like this. Now, what were children in the first century? They were economic development because the more kids you had, the more free labor you had in the house. There were no such thing as helicopter parents. You couldn't do it. You were just trying to survive. 
They weren't living for their children. Their children were living to serve them. I mean, that's how it worked. So when you bring a child, that, that would have been as insignificant as bringing in a house servant who would have been the foot washer, which, oh, by the way, didn't our master do that when he washed the disciples' feet? And he brings this child in and he says, look at this. When you become like this, when you become like this, this little child, that's how you become great in the kingdom. That's where you get it. Think about what children do and don't do. Do you know that children don't have pretense, do they? They just show up. They learn that later. But they just show up. They don't really understand position or power. So they're not afraid to walk up to the most important person in the room and say, look at my drawing. They just run right past all of that. Things we... I wouldn't speak to them right now. They're really important. They don't do that. They just show up and they're who they are. They don't do things like we do. I was just at a conference this past week for a bunch of pastors and churches and you've probably never done this, but I see people doing it. It's not you, other people. They talk to you like this. Hey, how you doing? But they're looking around like this. Yeah, oh yeah, to see if somebody better's walking by. You wouldn't do that, would you? Have you ever been talking to a child and they grab you by the face and they say, look at me. They're just right there with you. They're who they are, focused in the moment. Not worried about building prestige or honor or whether you think that they're the best in the world. They walked in knowing they were pretty great. A couple of weeks ago, my five-year-old neighbor came over to our house and invited us to watch his baseball game. In fact, he said, when are you coming to my baseball game? It was more like a demand. And we went. We, we loaded up the whole family and went and watched his baseball game. And when he came off the field, what was amazing about that is I found out he really didn't care that I was there. He really didn't care that my teenagers were there. It was Miss Kathy was there because he comes over and plays on the swing set in the afternoon with Miss Kathy. And he didn't care what he had done in comparison to everybody else. He was just glad that she was there. I mean, it was just, it was like, thank you for coming to my baseball game. When are you coming to the next one? It's Friday night. Are you going to be able to make it? You know, it was all about the moment. It, it was nothing more than that. And that's what a child brings to the table. And so Jesus tells us, that when we welcome children who were overlooked, not thought of, that may not build your resume, but it builds your kingdom resume. It does something. And so as we think about what it means when Jesus says that the least among you will be the greatest, we don't, we don't really know what to do with that, do we? Because everything in us says that can't be right. There's... <laughs> That's impossible for that to be right. How can I just be over here doing my thing that nobody sees, serving the Lord, living in obscurity? How can that make me great in the kingdom? Nobody will know what I'm doing. Exactly. That's what it's supposed to be. So the change in the attitude about that and the change in our perspective about that leads us to ask right questions. Who do you want me to serve today, Lord? Where do you want me to serve? 
How do you want me to give? Where do you want to use the talents and the gifts and the abilities that you've given me? And it may not be where you think you're a perfect fit, by the way. Some of y'all think that I'm joking when I say that my goal is to retire as your pastor and the next Sunday be in our preschool rocking babies. Is anything better than that? Could it be that what's most important this morning is not this message and it's not me? It's not Kirk. It's not this. It's not Daniel. Could it be that the most important thing that's happening is actually happening downstairs right now? I'm gonna tell you something. You have no kind of church if you have to beg people to work for children. Listen to what I just said. You have no kind of church if you have to beg people to work with children. Did Jesus just say, that when we welcome the least of these, that's how we become great. Some of y'all need to go sign up this week. It's time to get great. It's time to understand with a heavenly perspective what God's doing, that there's something about when we serve those that can't serve us back, when we invite those to dinner that could never host us back, that when we do things that no one will ever notice, that that's building the kingdom resume. God notices, God sees it, and that should be enough. And what everybody else thinks about it or even what we think about it, it doesn't matter. Years ago, we were talking about this and Pastor Kirk said that a prayer of his was that God might grant us the ability at this church to whittle away in obscurity, carving the image that God has given us to carve here. How do you feel about that? Are you okay with that? Are you okay with serving an audience of one? Are you okay if you never get recognized for the things that you do? Are you okay? Or does that pride and jealousy and envy start to, to do that? I mean, I gotta be honest with you. This has been a hard message for me this week. I was just at one of the greatest churches in America, one of the greatest universities in America, Christian University. And I drive up onto those campuses and I think, man, I wish we could do some of that. I, I, Lord, I, I wish, why can't we have that there? Why, why, why can't you use us to do some of that? <laughs> and it's the wrong question. It's the wrong attitude. It's the wrong perspective, isn't it? Instead of just saying, God, thank you that you are doing that. And thank you that you have allowed us to do this. Lord, thank you for that. I'm, I'm excited to be where you've placed us and what you've given us to do. That's the answer. So maybe today what we have to do is, is rewind a little bit and go back to the very beginning. What kind of questions are you asking? Jesus said, I'm about to be betrayed. When I'm betrayed, you know what that means. I'll give you the sign of Jonah. They'll keep my body three days and I'll rise. That should have been game changer, but they were confused afraid to ask the question. And so they just started talking about what was great, who was great. What are you worried about this morning? You worried about that kind of stuff? Your place, your position, what people think of you, what opportunities you're going to have. Man, may God forgive us of that. And may God open our eyes to see what it really means to be great in the kingdom 
is that when we become the least, when we become a servant of all, then we're great in the kingdom. And that God would give us a passion to serve in such a way that his kingdom would be built. Not ours, not our churches, not the kingdom of the United States. Not, none of that matters. But that we would serve him. So I want to ask you this morning to close your eyes with me and for us just to do a little business with the Lord. What kind of questions have you been asking lately? Are they the right ones? Are you struggling with pride? Struggling with envy? Jealousy? How about just taking a moment and repenting of that? Heavenly Father, I I want to say before you how wrong it is of me and I hope others will join me in this prayer to say how wrong it is of us to be worried about things that do not matter. God, some of us have been asking the wrong questions this week. I know I have. And it comes from places in our flesh that, that don't have any use in the kingdom. Father, we're asking because we're jealous or envious or prideful. Father, I pray that you would give us a heart to serve you. To recognize what's most important. God, to recognize that when we are a servant of all, we're greatest in the kingdom. Father, some of us are struggling to build our image or our companies, our brand, because we think that will bring significance to us. And God, we just want to make you significant. May we become insignificant, Lord, so that people hear who you are in our lives. God, forgive us for being glory stealers, glory hogs. We do it. And, and I think so many times, Lord, we don't, we're not even conscious that we're doing it and we don't want to do it. We want to lift up the name of Jesus. We want to make him known in Nashville and may people this week that interact with us, if they take nothing away from those interactions, may it be one thing, Lord, that they take away is that we love Jesus way more than we love ourselves. God, help us to use things like social media Appropriately, Help us to use our phones, our computers, our tablets in ways that glorify and honor you, not ways that would cause us to stumble or ways that would try to puff us up with pride. God, we thank you that through the relationship that we have with Christ, we have been found. We were lost in darkness and we've been made new in Christ because of his work on the cross. We thank you he was betrayed. We thank you that he was crucified, that he was buried and rose again. 
And so we stand amazed in his presence today. And we lift him up as the only name by which men are saved. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.